Sometimes, you know, you, uh, have you guys done much public speaking? Like you guys, or you've done some, you've done some. You know, sometimes you, uh, I like what the, the Lord said to Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. <laughs> sometimes I'll look at their faces. So I thought it was real interesting when I said, um, you know, you're no match for the devil. It's good to see people like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Because we're so used to seeing ourselves the way we should see ourselves, which is in Christ. Sometimes, though, uh, you can slip out of that. And, you know, uh, Lucifer actually was created by God. And um, he was, you know, one of the highest angels and angel of worship. And uh, he was created by God. And then he began to see himself apart from God and began to see himself as a match for God, and, well, God's this, but I'm this, look at, you know, and it, it's amazing that uh, a being that was created by another being could all of a sudden say to the maker, like, I don't need you, I'm, you know, I'm kind of good on my own. It's, when we're recreated in Christ, we are recreated in Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit, and so when we try to live our life apart from God, apart from His Spirit, uh, we may think we have a measure of success for a while, but how many people know what's happening to the devil now and what the end is for the devil, right? So uh, we don't ever want to get on his page. I love to sit in awe and wonder at how awesome God made me in Christ. And just like to realize, man, without him, I'm nothing. I can't do anything without him. If it weren't for him, I couldn't even get, you know, the Bible says that he gives us the very breath of life that he sustains the world with the power of his words. You know that God has never lied because the earth still exists. Because if he lied, the whole earth would disappear. It would cease to exist, the Bible says. So it's, it's um, sometimes you want to say things to get people's attention uh, so that you think. Because even yourself, sometimes you don't think. Like sometimes I don't think. You get so used to hearing things and you kind of let it flow through. And it's, you know... You go to some people that have never heard some things, and they're like, whoa, whoa, what did you, what did you just say? What did you say? And uh, so I like to knock myself off my own uh, attention. So let's, um, I'm going to, let's say a couple of confessions together here before we start, as we start. Um, you just repeat this after me. God is on my side. God is on my side. For the blood has been applied. Every need will be supplied. And nothing will be denied. So I enter into rest, and I know I'm blessed. I've passed the test, and I get God's best. And then, uh, I don't know if you guys know Grace Ryerson Roos, but she has a little book about the blood, and there's some confessions in there that she has. And um, so say this after me. Uh, the blood of Jesus prevents deception and aborts every attempt of the enemy to deceive me. The blood of Jesus is my divine covering and protection against all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The blood of Jesus is alive. It's so full of life and grace. It perfects that which concerns me, reconciling everything in me to the perfect will of God every day. And in every way. I mean, think about that. The blood of Jesus. And I, I love that uh, 
I like all of that. But prevents deception. Uh, I can be a thinker. And so as a thinker, you think, am I deceived right now? Because <laughs> if I'm deceived, I wouldn't know I was deceived. Otherwise, I wouldn't be deceived. Uh, so I thank God for the blood of Jesus that prevents that deception. Um, you know, and it's not something just to say, but something to live. So that the confession of my mouth is actually expressing I'm not living this life from my own ability or from my own talent or from my own goodness, but I'm living it from the talent, the goodness of Jesus Christ, which was made available to me by the blood of Jesus being shed, being poured out, being freely given up. So that's how I take it. That's how I possess it. That's how it becomes mine. So when it becomes mine, I can say, uh, his blood prevents that deception. A lot of times what the devil's tactic in our lives is he's to, he wants to get us to see ourselves less than what we are. So if he can get you to see yourself as incapable and without ability, then what will you act on? Your incapability, your lack of ability. So you'll start to say, yeah, no, I don't think I can do that. Uh, and, you know, getting in the presence of God, we've been made, uh, we've been given access through Jesus Christ. The Bible says we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So if we don't see that and recognize that righteousness is really um, an attitude and an ability and a standing to enter into the presence of God himself and not feel like you don't belong there, not feel like you're lacking something, that you don't measure up, that you, you know, I was in um, Congress on Friday, and um, this is my second time since we moved here, going to congressman's office, those type of things. So some of the people coming with us, and uh, even when I went in the first time, I'm like, this is like strange, should I be here, should I not be here? And this time some people uh, came with us, and they had never been there before, and they're like, can we just go in there? Like, what, what can we do? And they had this hesitation, this like, I don't belong, or should I be there, should I not be there? When we come as believers to uh, the throne room of God, so, you know, I don't know, in America, we can relate so much to the presidency, which can be a good example, can be a bad example, but you have the Oval Office, where it's a very restricted area, and where a lot of high-level meetings occur, and you can't just walk into the Oval Office. You can't just show up and say, you know, uh, I want to go in the Oval Office, see the president. I say, do you have an appointment? Have we run a background check on you? You can't just do that. I went on a, a behind-the-scenes tour of the White House uh, when I was stationed out here. Went to the President's Emergency Operations Center. There's a bunker underneath the White House and different things like that. I didn't get to go in the Oval Office. Still, with all of those, I didn't get to go in the Oval Office. Uh, but we're allowed in to the very presence of God. And I think we talked a few weeks ago about the temple, and I'm doing a super mini study on the temple, but it's intriguing me. Like, you've got these 40-foot-high pillars hewn out of a single piece of rock, like, just, and going up. You know, if you guys have been to the church that we came from in Michigan, like, from the floor to the catwalk is like 40 feet. So you're talking pillars like that high. That's not to like the Holy of Holies. That's before you get there. That's, that's just coming in. And so um, 
you think like this is the mentality of the Jews about going into the presence of God. Only one guy got to go in, a priest, and he had to make sure he was like, like clean, clean, cleaner than clean. Because he's taken, like he's coming to offer sacrifice for the sins of all the people and for his own sins. Uh, but you know, tradition says that they tied a rope around his ankle with some bells, so if he quit moving, he died, they'd know like a yank him out. He must have had something wrong with him. So the mentality and the thinking of you're going into the presence of God was this very uh, thing of awe. Like the White House, unless you, again, if you're like the guy that jumped the fence and tries to sneak in, you might get killed. But typically you wouldn't be killed if you have an appointment at the White House in the Oval Office. Uh, But being everyday Christianity, we make it so like, yep, I'm going to go pray, which is awesome. But sometimes we don't stop and pause, like uh, the Psalms say, Selah, 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 so many times. Um, like pause and reflect, stop and think about it. So when you think of praying and going to the presence of God, stop for a second. When I say stop, stop your um, physical activity, stop your mental activity, and just reflect on Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus and that he is the way into the presence of the Father. So we try to come into the presence of the Father based on, um, you know, I'm a pastor, so I should be able to go into the presence of the Father because, you know, of this position that I have. Or, uh, you know, we moved across the country. Or, you know, I, when I was growing up, I was part of the, um, I don't give my secrets away because I don't play as good as Kyle does, but I played the piano and the organ for our church. It was traditional church growing up. So because... You know, I usher, or I'm on the worship team, or uh, any number of things, or because I treat my family well. Have you seen how the neighbors treat their family? Or because, you know, I don't cuss. It's amazing. These little things can slip in, and we start to live our Christian life based on our own righteousness rather than taking on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And uh, I was on a missions trip to Mexico in 2001. And uh, riding on a bus, I remember on the mountainside, going around the mountain, and I was meditating on um, righteousness. I was reading Brother Higgins' book, Believer's Authority, and uh, I still have that same book. And the reason I remember that is somehow we were, I don't remember where I was sleeping, if I had to sleep on the floor or something. Anyhow, I had the book, and uh, this Mexican mud got all over it, like on the pages. So when I open it, I still have like, I mean, it's mostly gone now, but it's stained from the color. Of the, of the mud. But anyhow, I was riding on the bus. And while I'm riding on the bus, I was meditating on that. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And the uh, Lord said to me, you know, one way you can look at that is you're everything that's right about God in Christ. And I thought, wow, that is pretty awesome. Everything that's right about God in Christ. And so when you see yourself in Christ, you have power to stand. You don't shrink. And you don't fall back like this podium. <laughs> Did you guys notice I kept pulling it up, pulling it up, pulling it up? It's okay. But you don't shrink back. Like walking into, like going back to the Congress example, you go through security and you see the people like, and they're like, am I supposed to be here? What am I supposed to do? And... Um, you know, we live in such an awesome country that really you can walk into your congressman's office uh, 
into the front area there and ask to see them. And a lot of times if they're not busy, they will agree to see you. It's, it's like on Memorial Day, I went to, um, where'd I go? Arlington National Cemetery. Of course. And I went there and I saw the president. Now, we didn't have a hamburger together. We didn't go to Five Guys or anything. I know he likes Five Guys. Uh, but I was like 40 or 50 feet from the president. I had to go through security, right? Metal detectors and stuff like that. Uh, but still the freedom that we have. So the freedom we have in Christ is far greater, far more. Uh, you can go into the presence of God anytime. You don't have to wait for once a year on Memorial Day or, you know, when Congress is in session or if you get an appointment, if you know the right people, except with one exception, you have to know Jesus. If you know Jesus Christ, you know the right people. He'll be like, oh, you know, they're with me. In fact, I have a seat right here. They can sit with me. So you have a reserved seat. You have full access and you can come right in uh, without a sense of um, failure or not measuring up. So back to our confessions. We are blessed, we're prosperous, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, talented, we're creative, we're confident, we're disciplined, we're focused, we're qualified, we're motivated, we're anointed, we're accepted, we're approved, we're children of the Most High God, and we're victors, not victims. You know, I have a list here. I don't even know where I got it. I, normally I put, uh, in, it's from my Evernote, but I normally put references, like I got this there, I got this there, because you run across so many things, and um, anyhow, this doesn't have a reference, so it's from the Bible. Uh, I was listening to T.L. Osborne this week, and he said, you know, just use this stuff. Just, like, preach it. Do it. You know, and he said, he said I'm a strong believer in copyright. He's like, if you're going to copy me, do it right. Um, but it's refreshing to have people that uh, don't feel like they need to charge for every book, every sermon, every thought. Uh, so uh, somebody put this together in Christ's confessions and made them very personal and said, I am a child of God. That's from Romans eight sixteen. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I am forgiven. I am saved by grace through faith. I am justified. I am sanctified. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am delivered from the powers of darkness. I'll just stop there. That's just like 10, which there's a lot more. Uh, but like, stop and think. I am a child of God. So let that sink in and meditate on that for a second. You know, the religious leaders of Jesus' day let that sink in. When Jesus said, God is my father. What did they do to him for that? I mean, they wanted to kill him for it. He eventually ended up dying because of it. The reason they chose to crucify him was for that. He gave up his life freely, but that's the reason he was crucified. Because uh, I don't remember which uh, specific reference that is right now, but when he said God is his father, what did they say? They said, how could you say that? You made yourself equal with God. So when you say, I am a child of God, 
There's a lot more than just saying those words out your mouth. I am a child of God himself. And there is no other God but our God, Jehovah God. And we are his child. We're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That's from Psalm 107 too. Uh, And there's a lot of other uh, scriptures you can go through. But you're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So how does that how does that play out? That means when you start to see, like, man, this week I had a lot of uh, attacks start to come, different things, and you start to see things, you know I'm redeemed from the hand of the enemy, but this is happening. So what do you do? That doesn't make sense, so why is that happening? This shouldn't be happening. Jesus said, I've given you authority. So you have to take authority and... uh, one of the main ways that you take authority is with your mouth. So you say, uh, I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So this has no power over me. So I'm resisting this. Resist the devil and he'll flee. So that's just a little taste. I want to start doing some um, confessions each week because a lot of times it's real easy to uh, not think about these things and not realize them you know, to where they're not part of your life. And I've been alive long enough and a Christian long enough and in full-time ministry long enough to realize uh, sometimes the most that you get, sometimes some people, the only time they pray is in church. Sometimes the only time they read the Bible is in church. And, um, you know, Hopefully that's not the case with you or with me. I mean, I know myself, so. But then there's also times when you're busy, you're vacationing, you're doing this, you're doing that, and we let things kind of slide a little bit. And so there's, this is not a sermon about why you're in church or why to come to church, but there's, you come together and there's a booing of your faith. And actually there's things that can happen corporately uh, in a service that can't even happen individually. You'll experience the presence of God different corporately than what you will individually. And so we shouldn't neglect either one. You don't want to just come to church and only experience God that way. Because, man, there's an there's a intimacy with God, a place with God in his presence where he's talking to you. He's talking to Jeremy, to Melody, to Kyle, to Keith, to Keith. He talks to Keith twice. To Stacy, <laughs> to Tim, about things and in ways uh, that you guys can't understand or that I wouldn't even want you to understand. Not that, not that it's like, oh my goodness, I've done all these bad things. But you know, like, you have close relationships. The way people say things to you uh, is very special. And, you know, it can be very private. And so the Lord wants to have that relationship with each of us. I mean, that's the whole reason Jesus came, so that we could be one with God again. We talked about uh, before in the Garden of Eden, they walked and talked with God. And ever since then, God wants to get that back. He knows how wonderful that is. Sometimes we don't know or we don't realize or we forget how amazing it can be to just come right into the presence of God. Uh, you know, our, our mission is that all may know Jesus Christ and the power of his love. And that's like not, um, I know Jesus Christ like I know Barack Obama because I know him. I don't know him personally. It's to know personally, to have a close, intimate knowledge of. Uh, Like, 
Like, I know my wife. I'm not even talking like sexually. Like, I, I know things that she's going to do. Uh, the interesting thing is, though, uh, we've been married for like 13 years now, and there's a lot of things she's going to do I don't know. <laughs> and I don't understand. But the Lord knows me fully. He knows me better than I know myself. So in some ways, if you really want to be introduced to yourself, to who you really are, and especially to who you were made to be and created to be, you got to talk to him. The best way to talk to him is to come with his word to him because his word contains his will. And uh, when you come in line with his word, then he'll always answer, he'll always speak. So he desires that close, intimate relationship to where you're spending time with him and you're setting aside, uh, time aside. You make a place for him. Being, being in ministry, uh, you uh, get very busy because I work a full-time job pretty much as well as uh, serving in the church. And uh, so I've found that I have to schedule my recreation time. Uh, and Really, I guess I don't schedule too much recreation time for myself, but I, when I say recreation, I enjoy being with my family, and uh, so I have to schedule my time with my family. So if you don't schedule time with God, you might need to schedule time with God as well. That's kind of a habit I've had, so that's, that's there, but, um, uh, you know, somebody said, well, what kind of relationship like that is to schedule with somebody? Well, if you have children... Um, do you schedule a date with your husband or wife? Do you plan to get together, go out, just the two of you? Because if you don't, you probably won't do that very much. Don't anybody look at me. <laughs> but you have to schedule things. But you should also be spontaneous. You know, I mean, you can talk to God all the time. You know, I'm driving in a car, talking to the Lord. and um, Throughout the day, you live a life of communication with God. I'm just talking with God, just um, spending time with the Lord. You can do that uh, anytime, and you should do it anytime, but you should also set time aside. You know, uh, Christianity, there's so many different flavors, so many different things going on, and people believe different things. I happen to believe that uh, the devil is defeated and that Jesus defeated the devil, and he didn't just do it for him. He didn't just do it so that he could live this awesome life and, uh -huh, you know, I took this guy out and brought him naked in front of everybody and just showed how powerful I am. He did that for you, and he did it for me. Yeah. And um, I believe the devil is defeated. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't remember the minister, but Brother Hagin talked about a minister. Um, I kind of think it was in um, Baylor University, but it doesn't really matter. That said, you know, beliefs in the scriptures a lot of times are like a mountain. You can look at it from different sides and you see different things. So I might look at uh, a certain belief and describe it and say, oh, like I see this and I see this white snow cap. And uh, earlier this year I was in Nevada and on one side of this mountain there was all this snow and on the other side there was no snow. So somebody said, describe that mountain. And that's so why I would write down, well, it has snow on it and sharp peaks and it's like got black dirt, you know, coming out. And somebody on the other side wouldn't say anything about the snow. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But the way uh, I look at it, and of course the way you look at it, you think it's the best. <laughs> but is that Christ defeated the devil, all the work of the devil, all the power of the devil. Right. 
And so when you approach what has happened in your life in the past or what's happening in your life today or happening in the lives of those people that you know, um, Jesus made me a new person in Christ. I like to see everything in Christ. So a lot of times people can go back uh, to their past and they want to dwell on, well, tell me what happened in your past and what, what bad thing happened to you in your past. And then, you know, we'll go and deal with that and put Jesus there and do all kind of different kind of things. And um, the way I like to look at it and the way I think is very biblical is that we're in Christ. We're a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ... He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if you've got things in your past you haven't dealt with, sure, take care of them. Go back and say, you know what? I never forgave my parents for, you know, this, that, or the other. And then just take care of it and move on. Some people tend to uh, dwell back there and live back there. And the way I see it with uh, that side of the mountain is that a lot of times if you start to look at bad things that happen in your past, you get stuck there. Yeah. You ever been with like a group of people? Here, here's one thing. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I desire that all men, uh, that pray for all men, for kings and those that be in authority. You ever been with a group of people talking about President Obama? Or a group of people talking about President Bush before him? Somebody said, uh, I heard a stat the other day, Somebody said, I don't know if I really want to be president because when you're president, at minimum, 40% of the people hate you, no matter what you do. And, um, but you get with a group of people, and politics is a, is a particularly divisive subject, or can be. There's really spirits behind it. You can look at it in the book of Daniel and, and different things, principality of powers. But uh, you get in this group of people, and all of a sudden, somebody makes something about a decision that was made or something that was done, and then everything starts to shift, and the whole conversation becomes almost hateful. Well, and sometimes it is just downright hateful. And, uh, you know, we're supposed to pray for those in authority, not uh, talk ill of them and, you know, speak bad of them. And, of course, that doesn't mean you can't talk about the issues. It's just that's the whole point of that illustration is when you start talking about issues, a lot of times the crowd mentality kicks in and everything is bad, uh, no matter what. So um, I'm way off my notes. So you realize that, um, you know, if you run with the crowd, you're not going to um, many times get God's best. So I prefer to see things to where you're looking in Christ. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when you identify with that, first of all, that means you start to look at this habit that you have or this issue that you have, and you realize, wait a minute. In Christ, I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away, so this habit's gone. This thing is taken care of, but I'm still doing it. What are you believing and what are you speaking? So what do you believe? What do you speak? I believe I've been set free from the power of the enemy. It's kind of like those little, uh, what do they call those things? The circus ants thing, you get this, is it an ant farm or fleas? Circus fleas. You know, how they train them, they put them in a box, and then they start jumping, and they hit their head, they hit their head in the box, they take the box away, and then they'll just sit there and jump and stop at the same place because the box was taken off. 
And so you get born again, you get to be made a new creature, and you only jump as high as you already did. Because nobody told you, hey, dude, the box is off. The box is gone. You can, like, you can get away. You don't have to be stuck here. You don't have to travel and see all these funny people all the time. Um, so in Christ, we're a new creature. Uh, one translation says, a new species of being that never existed before. Really, what happens in Christ is your spirit becomes recreated and one spirit with the spirit of God, John tells us. So we're made brand new, a type of being that never existed before. Jesus, of course, is the firstborn of that new generation. And we're part of that generation. So I like to see uh, myself in Christ and approach the word of God from that standpoint first. And I think that's one of the best things to do when you pray with someone to get, a born, get them born again is give them that scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You know, uh, Dad Hagen, when he was born again, and then he was healed about a year later, so once he got up and around, he started telling people, I'm a new creature. So he'd go around, he saw one of his friends, and they had um, robbed a, the apartment store together, him and I don't know how many other kids, but this guy's name was Lefty. Um, his name was Clarence, really, but he was left-handed, so they called him Lefty. And um, so he went and saw his friend uh, Clarence, and uh, he said, you know, Clarence started talking to him and said, hey, you remember that night we did that? And Brother Hagin just stood there with a blank look. He's like, and Clarence said, you act like you don't even know what you're talking about. You're the one that opened the door for us. Because Brother Hagin had two talents. He could tame any wild animal, and he could unlock any door. <laughs> so uh, he's like, you're the, one that, you're the one that opened the door for us. But he didn't go in because he was afraid, but he did eat the candy. Um, but he said, you know, Lefty or Clarence, the guy that did that is gone. He's dead. And his friend said, well, you were really sick, but you didn't die. I see you. You're right here talking to me. He said, no. He said, the Bible says if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. All things have become new. So uh, you hear that and you think, was that a little extreme? That's faith. Because all of a sudden, you're new in Christ You look at the word of God and you see, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And he started really identifying with who he was in Christ to himself, because that's what he was thinking, and then to his friend. So he started having a change. So uh, faith is really what you're doing. So that's what he was doing. And he, he, of course, used it as a great or the Lord used it, I guess, as a great witnessing tool because he would tell anybody he met, I'm a new creature. And in that day, you know, a lot of people, what are you talking about? I'm a new creature. What's, what are you talking about? He said, well, then I would tell them. So we're talking about in this series, we're talking about uh, really realizing who we are, excuse me, <clears throat> realizing who Christ is and then who we are and then continuing what Christ began. And um, I'll keep it, thank you. And continuing with Christ, what Christ began. And so <clears throat> one of the greatest tools you can use when you go to talk to people about Jesus, and I would say when you live your life, is you just say, man, so glad I don't do what I used to do. 
what do you mean? Like what you used to do? Well, don't get, like I said, don't get like waylaid on what you used to do. A lot of people like to hear all that stuff, but you can. You can say, you know, man, I was terrible. I used to go to the bars every week and, you know, used to, I didn't used to do that. I should, you know, used to worry all the time. That would be a good one, right? I can identify with that. And um, <clears throat> um, just relate to people in that aspect. And then you tell them who you are in Christ. And when I say that, like people like um, sometimes a Bible school student may want to go and say, uh, I'm a child of God. I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I am forgiven and saved by grace. Hi, my name's Tim. Like, no, like, dude, yeah, I used to do, I used to do all that stuff. Did you know there's something that's way cooler than that? I mean, it's like, this thing will blow you away. If you want to get high, I'll give you the best high. Seriously, you get in the presence of God, you get filled up with the presence of God and the life of God, and you start to realize and see things the way God sees them, man, you're invigorated, and you have so much life, so much energy, you don't need a steroid. It, it's better than a steroid. A steroid is our men's way of uh, taking chemistry and making your body have a, a better effect, or what is seemingly to be a better effect. But... Uh, the Word of God tells us that the Spirit of God brings life. The Bible says quickens in the King James Version, which means like just infuses with life your mortal body through the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So you can realize that that's going to be better than any steroid. I'm a researcher, so I like to research, I like to learn. If I find a Christian scientist or a Christian um, engineer, I love to read after him. Because I think, man, if I was a scientist or an engineer and I'm born again, I'm going to love it. Because I might not understand all of this stuff, but I know the source is the Word of God. So I'm going to study the Word and I'm going to study my subject. But I must have the Word be my foundation and I'm going to find out stuff before other people do. Uh, you know, like the sh short little story is Dr. Youngi Cho, who he's retired now, but he used to pastor the largest church in the world. It got to be anywhere from 800,000 to a million people in uh, Seoul, South Korea. And, um, you know, they were talking about, uh, he was having lunch with a neurosurgeon and the neurosurgeon said, you know, hey, we've, we've got this brand new discovery, never known before. And we found that the speech center of the brain controls the whole body. And he said, well, I'm going to really paraphrase the story, but he said, I already knew that. And the surgeon said, no, 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 you don't understand. This is a brand new discovery. No one has discovered this. We're the first ones. We have discovered this. He said, no, I already knew that. I already knew that. Well, how could you know that? He said, Dr. James in the Bible. <laughs> Tongue, tiny member, controls whole body. Uh, but I love that because uh, I like science and I like to study those type of things. And you realize... Um, I can skip ahead of a lot of people that have a lot more brain knowledge than I do because I happen to believe the truth of the Word of God. And I know that the Word of God is true because of the life of God that came into me when I accepted Jesus Christ and because of the life of God that I've seen come into other people that affects them not only with like a love that's not of this world, that's not of themselves, but a life that affects mortal bodies. We were in 2005, we went to the Philippines went to the Philippines in one of these churches. I actually, um, it was a charismatic Holy Ghost church. Love, the, love my, my kind of church. And so um, just like, they were maybe a little more wild than I am personally. 
Uh, but anyhow, so they took me and we spoke at this, and my wife, and we spoke at this home group, Bible study. And I thought it was going to be like five or six people. There were like, was it 45 or 50 people probably there. So we ministered, taught on faith. And then um, at the end, uh, you know, I was going to lay hands on people for them to be healed. But it was a, a charismatic church. So I thought, in my heart, I was like, no, don't, don't have them come forward. Because in a lot of churches, people are used to coming forward. You lay hands on them. They fall under the power or they give you a courtesy fall or something like that, right? And I thought, I re- you know, my heart was, I really want these people to receive. So I said, um, you know, if you need healing your body, I want you to come and sit in these chairs. And so there were chairs, actually, I like these chairs. And so they sat in the chairs, and um, I laid hands on them sitting in the chair. And the reason I did that was because I didn't want them to get religious about it. And like, oh, this is how this has to happen. And I have to, you know, he's going to come. This is going to happen. I'm going to fall. I wanted to catch him off guard. Because if you can break through our religiousness, you can receive from God. You get so religious, you don't, I mean, again, I feel like you pick on the Pharisees every week. But look at the Pharisees and rulers of the law. They were so into their routine, into their formality, into their format. I mean, Where does it say in the Bible that every time you lay hands on somebody, they should fall out? It doesn't. But, of course, there's many examples where you see people come in contact with Jesus himself, like the guards. And, you know, he said, they said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am. And they all fell out. And then, you know, anyhow, this is not a sermon on that. But there's lots of examples. But you get to one extreme or the other. So I didn't want them to get religious about it because I wanted them to really receive. I didn't want them to, like, do whatever. So, uh, interestingly enough, they were all instantly healed. And there were about five people, I think it was four or five, and the last one was the pastor's wife's mother. And, um, uh, but the point is, they come and came in contact not with me. Sure, physically I touched them, but uh, like Brother Hagin says, I couldn't heal a gnat's wing or a fly's eyeball, right? I have no power to heal. But the anointing of God will heal any disease and any sickness and drive back any uh, chain or force that the enemy would try to bring. Because Jesus Christ himself took every sickness, took every disease in his own body and um, defeated him. So that's why when we act in his place and we come and I lay hands on people in the name of Jesus um, and he commanded us to lay hands on the sick and they will recover... You can do it and it'll happen. You just believe it. Or the person you're ministering to can believe it. Sometimes people, sometimes the preachers don't believe, but the people believe and they still receive. (laughs) That tells you how much it's not from the minister. You know, you may have their special anointings. There's gifts of the Holy Ghost that the Bible teaches us about. You may operate in one of those gifts. You really don't. It's not yours, really. If it was, you could do it anytime you wanted to. But you may be given to that. You may uh, operate in those things. And then um, people come in contact with that anointing. And the anointing is what does the work. Destroys yokes of bondage. Removes uh, any, any bit of the power of the enemy uh, that you'd come in contact with. So, it, you know, it's amazing how you can um, just be normal and watch, watch God move, watch God live through you. 
Our job really is to look at the example of Jesus Christ and to live his life. And, you know, we talked last week about the uh, being inspired by that. A lot of times we as believers or you see ministers that are like, they're like, they never, I can't. You ever try not to smile? When I try not to smile, I just smile bigger. I don't know why. Like, don't smile. Don't smile right now. See, everybody's smiling. Maybe that's how you should take a picture. Okay, I'm going to take a picture. Don't smile. <laughs> Everybody has a big smile. Um, but a lot of, uh, uh, many times preachers will just not have a good report. The gospel is really good news. And if we're not uh, inspired, we talked about inspiration. That's how God breathed life into Adam and Eve at the very beginning. It says he inspired them. In our English translation, it says breathed. Uh, he breathed into them, and they became a living spirit. So when you've got God breathing into you, look what happens. That body got up and started walking around and started tending the garden and started you know, helping his wife and his wife helping him. So when you ha- allow God to breathe into you, when I read the word, many times I'm just, I can feel the breath of God coming into me, the life of God. You know what I'm talking about? Like it starts to get activated. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's King James translation. Uh, uh, I don't remember the name of it. Jeremy, my new English, I think it was or something. Says uh, that faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. I like that translation. Because a lot of times we'll kind of say like, I don't have enough faith for this. I can't, I'm not measuring up to this. That's not really what it's about. God gave to each of us the measure of faith. He gave us that measure, and then we're to develop that measure. But uh, uh, Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have faith in God. Margin says, have the faith of God. So, and then he went on to say, you know, I, I curse this. This is why this happened. You can talk to this mountain. It'll get out of the way. But he said, have the faith of God. Jesus told us to have God's faith. So if we have God's faith, we could do the same thing God can do. We'd act just like God. We'd speak just like God. We'd live just like God. So have the faith of God, and faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. And the hearing there in the Greek, it's a play. It's like continually hearing. You're continually hearing it, like being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Be being filled, Ephesians 6.18 says. Be being filled. So like, it's like, you know, being an Air Force, former Air Force military guy, you got these aircraft, and you've got like this refueling tanker. It's like you're flying through the air, and that refueler is constantly connected to you, so you can fly forever. You've got this fuel just constantly pouring in, constantly pouring in. You look at your gauge, it just stays at full. It just stays at full. Be being filled. And um, so faith comes by putting yourself in a position where you're always hearing the word of God. You're just hearing that word, and it's coming in and coming in. And that is like the breath of God coming into you. Because really, if you, you look further in Romans there, it talks about it's the rhema of God, which is the word that's alive to you. And the way the word becomes alive to you is how. The Holy Spirit said, I'll take the things of God and I'll bring them to you. I'll transmit them to you. I'll make them real to you, make them alive to you. So when we read the word of God with the Holy Spirit, so you put him right here next to you. No, I'm kidding. He's inside of you. And when I say read the word of God with the Holy Spirit, what are you doing? You're putting up, uh, Brother Hing used to call it your spiritual antenna. So I'm reading the word of God. And, you know, it says Acts chapter 1, verse 2, until the day he was taken up. So I'm like, okay, I'm not looking for my head. I'm looking for my heart. 
what's that mean? What's that saying? And I begin to meditate, mutter it, turn it over, turn it over, and learn. And all of a sudden, um, you're pouring over the word of God, and he's pouring into you. And the spirit of God that's inside of you that has become one with you uh, starts to say, whoa, you're talking my language. I understand that. I get that. And he says, yeah, yeah, that's right. Go ahead. Go right there. And you find that your belief on the inside gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And as you begin to speak it, things begin to come to pass. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does uh, old things have become new? I feel like I should be a little shorter. Uh, Was it John... Yeah, 832. Now let's start with 31. If you continue in my word, this is Jesus, uh, then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So you're talking about, we're talking about being bound by something and uh, focusing on that or focusing on being in Christ. When you pour over the word of God, you find out who you are in Christ, who God made you to be, and you start to act like that. Like, you know, Jeremy, I've given you... um, you know, my badge, and you have access. I had them add you to the system so you can get into the White House, you can get into the Oval Office, you can go there anytime you want. You can go uh, every state visit, you can go to the state dinners. I bet he'd go to some. If I were him, I would. But he has access, and then he found out about it. So uh, last illustration would be, you know, you, you've heard of this illustration so many times. There's a relative that died. You didn't know you had the money. It's all this money's in the bank, and you've got all this money. Well, as soon as you find out about it, what do you do? You're going to go probably and get a withdrawal. And depending on how much money it is, you might go to a lawyer and say, like, I got all this money. Like, how should I set this up? You know, what should I? But prior to that, you can be living in poverty. Uh, you can be living way below um, where you would prefer to live. Uh, way below your means, but you've got all of this available to you. And, um, you know, you don't want to sit uh, in poverty. Maybe you don't even have a car, and you're saying, like, man, I sure wish I could get to, you know, the Shenandoah Mountains because I want to go on a vacation, but I don't even have a car. But you really have all of this financial, you know, millions or billions of dollars that you could use to buy a car or to hire someone to drive you there. But you're focused on, I can't get there. I can't do that. I don't know how to get the money out. So we have to take what we believe and speak that and put it into action. If you hear the word but you don't do it, you're, you're kind of deceived, uh, the Bible tells us. And again, the way that we grab hold and apprehend these things is... I think God is honest. I don't think God lies. The Bible actually says God is not a liar. The devil is the father of lies. So if you're believing a lie about yourself, you're siding with the wrong side. If I believe a lie, I'm siding with the wrong side. So I choose to believe God. And if I, I want to know if um, this goes all the way back to the confession at the beginning. It prevents deception, the blood of Jesus, and aborts every attempt of the enemy to deceive us. Um, 
I want to know if I'm deceived. So I come with the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, and I speak that that blood does that for me. And I live in that. So therefore, I'm not deceived. So if I see an area in my life, whether it's financial or healing or my love walk or um, any part of what I experience on a weekly, daily, yearly basis that doesn't look like what I read in the Word, then I'm going to find at least two or three scriptures, and I'm going to start meditating on that. I'm going to start pouring that into me with the Holy Spirit, and then it'll start changing because the Holy Spirit will bring that uh, reality into your life. That's where we're at, most people as Christians. You have like legally, yep, I'm redeemed, I'm set free, I'm forgiven. Uh, I'm prosperous. Why don't I have money? I'm healed. Why aren't I well? So we just get into the word. We receive the word through the Holy Spirit. And we allow that word to dominate us. And we dominate our circumstances through Jesus Christ and through the power of his word. Um, What's Revelation say? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus speaks better things than that of Abel, that the blood of Jesus is speaking right now in the Holy of Holies on our behalf, that the blood of Jesus was offered once and for all, that we could come near to you and come close to you, that we could be um, intimate with you, Father, and um, just to be able to spend time with you and to learn from you and to become more like you. Father, thank you that it's not just in this life that we have received Jesus Christ, that we've been made new creatures and that we have your spirit, but you gave us the spirit that he's with us forever, that he would live in us forever, that we could forever through him come close to you, that we could forever through the blood of Jesus um, be released from what the devil wants to do to us, that we could be forever Uh, set on a course uh, that's from you and uh, that is from your kingdom and from heaven. Father, we just pray uh, for each and every one of us that as we read your word today and this week, Father, that you would give us revelation, that you'd give us insight and light and wisdom, that you'd open your word unto us. Father, like Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus and the church at Colossians and so many times the Really, the, the beat of his heart was that we may know you and your power, that we may know you uh, personally and intimately. Father, I pray that um, in each and every life, each and every person that's here, that's listening to this, Father, that you would um, quicken to us uh, your word that you have for us today, right now, that you've spoken to us through this uh, message Father, we pray that we would not quickly forget what you've spoken into our hearts, but that we would put it into practice, that we would come up higher, that we would go closer to you, draw closer to you, and that that we would go deeper in our relationship with you. And I just plead the blood of Jesus over everything that concerns us, over our affections, over our hearts and our minds and our bodies. Father, we thank you. For the name of Jesus and for the blood of Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen.